for you shall laugh. This is God's word, and it's a glorious one. It's a glorious one. And I'm going to try and tone down the glory till the end, so we're not all sobbing in here. So what I want to do today, um, once again, because I thought I knew what this beatitude meant, and then I opened my Bible and started reading, and I found out I don't know what it means. Um, the Bible does that to you sometimes. You think you know something, and then it says you're an idiot, and you repent, and you, you embrace it. Okay, so what I want to do today is zoom out um, and look at the whole forest of mourning in the biblical story, so as we so as we can see what Jesus is doing here, and then close by zooming back into you. Okay, you've heard the expression "the forest from the trees." If you see the whole forest first, then you start looking at trees and you go, "Oh, that's okay." Anyway, that's what's going on. So first, the forest, and then the tree. The, the morning. And the comfort that Jesus refers to here in the second beatitude, last week, blessed are those who are poor in spirit, this week, blessed are those who mourn, is rooted in God, and I'm sorry about my armpits, just at the outset, I walked to church today because it was so nice, and here we are. So anyway, the whole story of, of the second beatitude is rooted in God's covenant blessings and God's covenant curses to uh, Eve and Noah and Abraham and David and on and on and on. And it is rooted in the city and the people of Jerusalem. Okay, now I'm like, oh, what are you talking about? So if we get that zoomed out picture in our hearts, then the zoomed in picture of what it means for those who uh, mourn to be comforted and those who weep now to laugh, I'm really... I think comes alive. So Jesus teaches that those who mourn will be comforted. And for the first century Jews who hear him, okay, these people gathered around the mountain, his disciples and otherwise, they know exactly what he means. Okay, Jesus says this to him, and they know why and to what they are to mourn for, and they know how they will be comforted. All right, that's just very, very clear to them. So why are they mourning? Why does Jesus assume that his Jewish hearers are brokenhearted? Why does he assume this is the posture of the inhabitants of Israel? Okay? Why can Jesus say this and talk like this and not have to explain everything to these people? Because these people know. No. Jesus knows. His hearers know. They've broken the covenant. Okay? They've broken the covenant. God had promised Abraham and Moses and David blessing. Right? That's the whole story of the Bible. He promised to them that through them, through their family, through their line, the curse would be ended. That they would inherit and, and, and they would possess the promised land forever. Kings and kingdoms would flow from them. All the nations of the earth, okay, so you Gentiles here today, would be blessed through them. And the knowledge of the glory of the Lord would stream forth out of Zion from David's city, David's throne in that land. Right? That's the positive vision of of the covenants. You obey the Lord, you follow the Lord, and uh, this is the good stuff that's happen happening, okay? God and God alone is going to restore the earth, okay? All the curses from Genesis 3, all right? Your toil with the land, you going back into the land because you're dying, okay? You returning to the dirt, God's going to reverse that in his strength and his strength alone through this family, okay? That's the blessing. That's the good news of the covenant. But the covenants also come with stipulations, the big one being don't bow down and worship the gods of the nations, okay? Don't don't worship demons. Everyone can agree that's not a good thing? 
Don't worship demons. And in Israel's story, nearly every king after David and after Solomon, um, or every king after David except for Solomon and Hezekiah and Josiah, every king after, so you guys got your Bibles, you got First and Second Kings, First and Second Chronicles. That's just a long story of the kings leading their people to worship demons. To bow down to the gods of the nations. And because God is not a liar, and because God keeps his word, and because God loves Israel, he punishes them for it, right? It's not that God is undoing the covenant. He's being faithful to the covenant. If you act this way, this is what you get, okay? You guys have little kids, or, or older kids too, I guess, and you and, and they act up. You what? You punish them. Not because you hate them, because you love them. Hopefully you're doing that, right? <laughs> this is love, okay? This is how I say I love you, all right? And this is what God is doing. And so in their idolatry and in their sin and in their bowing down to the gods of the nations, they find themselves enduring the curses of the covenant, okay? Not the blessings. And as a result of this, they are overtaken by the gods of the nations. So in the 9th century BC, the kingdom split. We get the 10 northern tribes, uh, Judah, or Israel, and the two southern tribes, Judah. In the 8th century BC, Assyria invades, defeats, and the people are exiled. In the 8th century, the same thing happens to Judah with uh, Babylon. Instead, in the 5th century, Babylon's king, Cyrus, sends them back. He ends the exile. Ezra, Nehemiah, you guys go build the wall, build it, rebuild the temple, kind of, sort of, it's kind of a stinky temple, comparably. But you get to go back into the land in the 3rd and 2nd century, the Greeks take over. And Israel is again oppressed and exiled. And in the time of Jesus, he's standing or sitting here and teaching on the mountain, Rome takes over. And about 40-ish years later, after Jesus dies, Israel is again, Jerusalem is again invaded, destroyed, and Israel is exiled. Okay? This is just the covenant curses. This is the cycle of Israel's history for every king after Solomon. That's what's going on. And Israel doesn't return to the land again until like 1948. Okay? That's just some of your lifetimes. That's kind of cool. All of these instances are tied to the covenant. Okay? So if you go, you guys go back and read Deuteronomy or whatever, it says, if you act this way, the land will vomit you out. And over and over again, the land vomits them out. So with all of that historical context in view, you see why Israel is in mourning. And you see why Jesus says, hey, blessed are you who mourn, for you will be comforted. You see why they're downcast. You see why they're brokenhearted. They know about the blessings of the covenant, but they're only reaping the curses of the covenant. So they're sad, and they're dejected, and they're mourning, and they're brokenhearted over their failure to obey what the Lord has called them to do. Psalm uh, 119 says, Streams of tears flow from my eyes for your laws not obeyed. But he's weeping over this. Streams of tears flow from our eyes because we haven't followed your ways. And it's brought ruin upon us. I mean, it's really not a complicated story. God says, do this, blessing, you do, don't do this, and cursing. And they're living in the cursing. And so the godly remnant of Israel, godly remnant, uh, inhabitants of Jerusalem weep not only because Israel's being humiliated, but because they understand their humiliation has come from their sins. Their personal sins and their corporate sins have brought this upon themselves. So Psalm 137, which is most of the Psalms we you know, attribute to David, this one's written by Jeremiah. Jeremiah was a prophet during the exile. Okay, Well, Babylon had invaded uh, Jeremiah is speaking, and he says, By the waters of Babylon, so not the waters of Jerusalem, the waters of Babylon, we sat down and we wept when we remembered Zion. 
We remembered Jerusalem. We remembered what it was like when David was on the throne. We remember what it was like when Solomon was on the throne and things really went to another level of blessing until he screwed that up. We remembered that when we sit down now in Babylon, we weep, we cry, tears flow from our eyes. So again, they're sad. They're in mourning. They're grieved over Israel's sin. They're grieved over their exile and they're grieved over the destruction of David's city. And so they long for and they mourn after God's favor and David's kingdom to be returned to Israel. Blessed are you who mourn. That's what they're mourning for. It's mourning over the state of their hearts. It's mourning over the state of their city. And by default, mourning over the state of the world. Because the world's going to be blessed through who? Through them, their city, that throne's going to bless the earth. And because they are a bunch of sinful idiots, the world's not being blessed. The curse goes on. People keep dying. Okay, so you see, in the big picture story of, of blessing and comfort, it, it's Jerusalem-centric mourning. It's Jerusalem-centric sadness. And as we'll see here in a sec, it's Jerusalem-centric comfort. Blessed are you who are mourning now. You will be comforted. So if mourning is tied to the covenant and, and to Jerusalem and to blessing, then comfort is tied to the covenant and Jerusalem and blessing. So it's into this context, right? you get got the whole history of Israel there in, in um, five minutes. This context of sin and destruction and exile and promise and cursing and blessing. It's into this context that Jesus sits on the mountain and announces hope for you, right? Hope for the people sitting there. Who, have, who are in mourning. It's into this context that Jesus announces comfort. Blessed are you who mourn now. You will be comforted then. Blessed are you who weep now. You will laugh then. Simply reaffirming God's strength. God's promises to a devastated Israel. Okay? So if you remember back to the, the overview um, of the Sermon on the Mount, it's not to point them to a new thing. Jesus doesn't show up as a first century Jew and change everything to first century Jews. He's preaching the same story. He's pointing them back to an old thing, okay? Remember Eve. Remember Noah. Remember Abraham. Remember David. Remember Moses. And, oh, sorry. On and on and on and on, okay? So let's go look at the old thing. Let's look at what Jesus is reminding them of from the prophet Isaiah. So imagine you're Isaiah, okay? They might be doing that in there today. I don't know. Imagine you're Isaiah, and you're in Jerusalem, and the Assyrians are on their way, plundering, invading, doing unspeakable things you can go read about if you want. 700 years before the Sermon on the Mount is preached, Isaiah's watching this happen, okay? It's like if he's at Helm's Deep, and he's watching the bombs come in. And he says this, thus says the Lord, the Redeemer of Israel. Yeah, he really looks like the Redeemer of Israel at this moment. Okay, our walls are crumbling, our, our women and children are being taken. Thus says the Lord, the Redeemer of Israel, to one deeply despised, abhorred by the nation, the servant of rulers. And what's he say to them? In a time of favor, I have answered you. In a day of salvation, I have helped you. I will keep you and give you as a covenant to the people to establish the land that's presently being invaded and destroyed. Saying to the prisoners who are in prison, come out. To those who are in darkness appear, they shall feed along the ways, on all bare heights shall be their pasture. They shall not hunger nor thirst, though at the moment they're being starved. <laughs> Neither scorching wind nor sun shall strike them, for he who has pity on them. And they're mourning. In their, like he's watching the gates 
crumble of David's city in their sadness and in their grief. He who has pity on them will lead them. And by springs of water he will guide them. And I will make all my mountains a road. My highways shall be raised up. Behold, these shall come from afar. Right? Because they're being scattered. They're being exiled. These shall come from afar. Behold, these from the north and from the west and these from the land of Serene. So though they're in the process of being scattered by the Assyrians, okay? The Assyrians are bad dudes, right? Think of the worst, meanest, most horrible people in the world. The Assyrians are worse, okay? They, they do horrible things to Israel and all the surrounding nations. Isaiah is seeing all this and he looks into the future and sees that those who have been scattered, I promise you, the word of the Lord to Israel is this, they will be gathered. And when that happens, when Zion is restored, cosmic joy breaks out, okay? So joy in, in the heavens, verse 13. This happens, they're gathered back in, sing for joy, O heavens, Exult, O earth, break forth, O mountains, into singing, for the Lord has what? Has comforted his people. He will have compassion on his afflicted. Blessed are those who mourn over Jerusalem. Blessed are those who look at what their sin has wrought and, and repent. God will answer their mourning with comfort. God will answer their mourning with compassion. So Isaiah just keeps on prophesying. And if you're there, you're looking at Isaiah like he's crazy. Like they just took my family. My teenager's going off to Assyria. This wall's coming down. This gate's going out. And Isaiah says, yeah, I'm just going to keep prophesying. I'm just going to keep going. Listen to me, you who pursue righteousness. It's another beatitude. Reese will hit that one on the ninth. Blessed are you who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Blessed are you, you who seek the Lord. You look to the rock from which you were hewn, to the quarry from which you were dug. Verse 2, look to Abraham, your father, and to, and to Sarah who bore you. For he was but one when I called him that I might bless him and multiply him. So though your whole world is falling apart, Israel, though your city is being burned, remember the covenant. Look to Abraham. Look to Sarah. You were one. He's going to multiply you. He's going to bless all the nations through you. Isaiah is saying, God's not one who forgets. I know the walls have come down. I know the armies are coming in. God's not one who forgets. Remember the covenant. Verse 3, for the Lord comforts what? Zion, the city being destroyed. He comforts all her waste places. He makes her wilderness like Eden. Okay. Her desert like the garden of the Lord, joy and gladness, not mourning. Joy and gladness will be found in her. Where? In Zion, in Jerusalem, thanksgiving and the voice of song. So again, Isaiah, just keep going. Jerusalem is being destroyed. Yes, you're in exile. Yes, you are in mourning. But remember the covenant. He's going to come and comfort you again. Can a woman forget her child and have not compassion on the son of her womb? Surely they may forget. But the Lord says, I won't forget you, Israel. I'm going to be faithful to do what I said I will do. So he will come. He will comfort you again. And I love this one because we get the, start to get the idea. He's going to read even the whole earth. Okay? It's Jerusalem-centric, guys. But it's not just Jerusalem. It's the earth, man. Like, anyway, that's wonderful. Isaiah 57. He's going to keep going. But he who takes refuge in me shall possess the land that's being invaded <laughs> and shall inherit my holy mountain that's being burned down. That mountain, that city, that holy hill will be comforted and it shall be said, build up, prepare the way, remove every obstruction from my people. For thus says the one who's high and lifted up, who inhabits eternity, whose name is holy. I dwell in the high and holy place and also, so where else does the Lord dwell? With him who is of a contrite and lowly spirit. I'm going to dwell with the ones who mourn. 
who are contrite and lowly, to revive the spirit of the lowly, to revive the heart of the contrite. So those who are contrite, those who are lowly and sad over what their sin have done, those who mourn, he says he's going to be with. And if you're watching Israel's story, you're just like, those guys, they're, they, they're screwing all this up. And you're saying, I'm going to come to them and comfort them and be with them and bless them. Verse 16, I won't contend with them forever, nor will I always be angry. I have seen his ways. Seen what Israel's done, okay? What, what, what Manasseh did, I totally under, I get it. Okay, Manasseh's probably the worst. I get it. I've seen it, but I will heal him. I will lead him and restore comfort to him and to his mourners. Do you guys see? All the, the, the blessed are those who mourn and the comfort promised to them. Jesus, you just go back to your Old Testament. It's, it's aimed at Zion. It's aimed at Jerusalem. It's aimed at the covenant, Okay? Isaiah 61, okay? So it's in, we got this context of, of sin and idolatry and exile and mourning, all right? That's the whole story here. It's into this context that Jesus walks into the synagogue on the Sabbath, opens up the scroll, and reads Isaiah 61. Okay? The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. Keeps going. And again, not some other man. He's anointed me to bring good news to the poor. Not some organization, right? Not some other person. God's agent for making all this happen is his son, Jesus, alone. Okay? So don't read Isaiah 61 and say, the Lord's anointed me. No, he has not. Okay? You follow the anointed one. You're, you're not the person for this. Okay? Jesus walks in and says, He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, to open prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to grant those who mourn, where? In Zion. (laughs) Okay? Like, this is the deal. To give them a beautiful headdress instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the garment of praise instead of a faint spirit. They shall build up the ancient ruins. The ancient ruins of what? David's city that's been destroyed. They shall raise up the former devastations of what? Zion. He's going to do this. They shall repair the ruined cities. What cities? The devastations of many generations. So the arm of the Lord comes. The, the anointed, the one anointed by God, the Messiah, comes to those who mourn and rebuilds what's broken. That's awesome. One more from Isaiah. Well, actually, we'll do two at the end. But one more from Isaiah. Isaiah 66. Thus says the Lord, Behold, I will extend peace to her who's been destroyed. Who has Assyrian armies coming in. I will extend peace to her like a river and the glory of the nations like an overflowing stream. As one whom his mother comforts, so I will comfort you. You shall be comforted where? In Jerusalem. Okay? Like, this is the story of your Bible, guys. This is what the covenants are pointing to. Is He gets revelation. A new Jerusalem. Okay? And, and the glory of the Lord covering the earth. One more from Isaiah, and then we'll zoom back into you. Guys, this big story is going to make your personal story better. At, at the restoration of all things, okay? at the great and final comfort for those who mourn, the Lord says this, Isaiah 25, on this mountain. What mountain? That mountain. On this mountain, the Lord of hosts will make for all people, so not just Abraham's family, all peoples, a feast of rich food, well-aged wine, except for the Baptist, 
and he will swallow. <laughs> Just kidding, guys. They'll obey Jesus then. And he will swallow up on this mountain the covering that is cast over all peoples, the veil that is spread over all nations. He will swallow up death forever. And the Lord God will wipe away tears from all faces. And the reproach of his people will be taken away from all the earth. Isaiah 26, in that day, this song will be sung in the land of Judah. We have a strong city. (laughs) He sets up salvation as walls and bulwarks open the gates that the righteous nation that keeps faith may enter in. Guys, your Bible is so cool. This is the story, the comfort and and the hope for all those who are afflicted by the curse. The comfort and and the hope for all those who mourn is tied up into God restoring Jerusalem. That's the big picture story of God's promises to Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. That's, That's the zoomed out story and it matters to all of you who mourn, who cry, who are sad. Our comfort is that God is going to do everything he said he would do. That's the promise that despite their sin, Abraham's family will bless all the nations. David's greatest son will sit on his throne in Jerusalem. The nations will stream to its light and on that mountain he will swallow up death forever and wipe away all of our tears. Okay? That's the blessedness that awaits those who mourn. Blessed are you if you mourn now. You will be comforted. Blessed are you who weep now for you will laugh. So now let's zoom back into two groups. Okay? Got the big story now. God's going to do everything he said he would do. So first to those First group, to those who do not mourn. If you do not mourn now, you will not be comforted then. Okay? Blessed are you who mourn, woe to you who don't. If you do not look at the state of your heart, and your sin, and your rebellion against God, and mourn, there is no comfort promised to you. If you do not cry out with the psalmist in Psalm 51, have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercy, and blot out my transgressions and my sins, wash me thoroughly from my iniquity, and cleanse me from my sin. If you don't mourn like that, and say, God, I'm not clean here. I need you to come and clean me. Your comfort now will be turned to mourning then. And your laughter now will be turned to weeping then. But the gospel of me, it's good news, right? For people who are not yet mourning. And the good news is this. God loves you and God is giving you time to turn and to repent. This is what the apostles uh, preached in Acts, the times of ignorance, okay? Your times of ignorance, Gentile, of your apathy towards God, and your disregarding God and your turning from God, the times of ignorance God overlooked, he overlooked it. But now he commands all people everywhere to repent because he has fixed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by a man whom he has appointed. The Spirit of the Lord is upon him. And of this he has given assurance to all by raising him from the dead. So if the story is this, that your sin and my sin, our sin, killed Jesus. Okay? I mean, obviously, it was the Romans with nails and a cross, but Jesus did it because of us. And Romans 5 tells us that God did this to show his own love for us, and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You see, that's the story. You're not mourning over your sin now. I'm telling you, you need to. I'm telling you, Christ died because he loves you and wants to forgive you and wants you to inherit eternal life. And so if we repent and mourn over our sins and what our sin has wrought... 
and trust that Christ's cross was our cross and his death was, was our death and his resurrection will be our resurrection. When he comes again to judge the world, we'll be comforted. Well, you mourn now over your sin for comfort on that day. You will be raised from the dead and inherit eternal life. So our, to the first group, mourn over your sin now. So you'll be comforted then. Weep now over your sin and what it's wrought. So you will laugh then, okay, and inherit eternal life. If you have questions about that, if you have not repented of your sins, not trusted in Jesus Christ, talk to the person you came with today. If they're a member of our church, they can tell you. They can tell you what it means to turn from your sin and trust in Jesus and inherit eternal life. And then if that happens, we'll baptize you and then we'll walk with you all the way to the end. Help you do this. That's why we're all here because we walk alone. We just go off into the ditch, but we walk together on a narrow path. We'll inherit eternal life. Okay? So first, to those who do not mourn, start. Second, to those who are mourning. To those who have felt the sting of sin and death inside of them and outside of them. That's the second group. Got the big picture. And now you. Um, uh, all week long, um, working on this, um, I had, uh, Joe's not here today, but I, I just had Joe, Joe in my heart all week long. Bless her, those who more. Larry, you and your kids, all week long. I prayed for you guys all week. Um, all of our, our widows and widowers, Kyle and, and Michelle, and more, our congregation has shed many tears. And we have wept much, but the word of the Lord today is that if you mourn now, if you weep now, you will be comforted. You will be comforted. Okay? And when this happens, when the comfort of the Lord invades the planet, what is our response? It's Psalm 126, the stony red, and we sang, When the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion... We were like those who dream. Meaning, when the Lord restores the fortunes of Zion, it won't seem real. You know what I mean? It won't seem real. The veil will be removed. The cloud will be removed. The weight will be removed. The tears will dry up. Joe will see his daughters. be like a dream. We're going to be, oh my, I can't believe this has happened. We'll be like, it will be like a dream, verse 2, that our mouth will be filled with laughter, our tongues with shouts of joy. They said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us. And we are glad who are sad now, who mourn now. Those who sow in tears shall reap with shouts of joy. He who goes out weeping shall come home with shouts of joy. But even, like, that's where this is going. Miss Rob, like, that's not Miss Rob anymore. Coleman. It's going to be a dream. It's going to be a dream. Like, this isn't fiction, guys. Like, this is real. The Lord's going to restore Zion, and you who mourn now will be comforted.
But even now, today, before then, in the meantime, Psalm 51 also teaches us the Lord is near to the brokenhearted now. He's with you now. Evil doesn't get the final say on your life. You will live forever. You will sing. You will laugh. You will weep no more. And so the vision of the end for those who mourn is a restored glory to our bodies. Your body stops decaying. You stop dying. A restoration of Jerusalem and the whole earth. And this is our fuel now to endure. You can walk out here. You can walk out your days now because this is true. We are comforted now by knowing we will be comforted then. We are anchoring our hope in what God will certainly do. So if you mourn now, you will be comforted in the resurrection and the age to come. If you weep now, you will laugh in the resurrection and the age to come. And if I could just give you guys one phrase to burn on your eyeballs and forehead, tattoo on your arm and wherever else you need to put it, it's this, now is not always. It's just not Guys, this is a mist, a vapor, 70, 80, 90 years. Now is not always God's ultimate triumph. And with it, the comforting of those who have grieved over evil and grieved over sin and mourn over the effects of those things. Their end is sure. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. And blessed are you who weep now, for you will laugh. Let's pray.